you start following a war, you end up following it in detail. And I'm following this one in relative detail. This war in Ethiopia. Alright then. And, uh, you know, if, if I hadn't started following it, uh, it wouldn't even uh, be happening. You know, for most people in the world, this war isn't happening. They might. Some people might just notice it's coming down on their social media feed, uh, you know. Um, Ethiopia army advances on Tigray capital. Blah, 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 you know. I wonder where that is. Yeah, anyway. Oh, nice cat. You know, that'd be most people. Yeah. Which is appropriate, I'm sure. Ethiopians, when they are not in a war, and other people are in a war, they do the same thing. Oh, Armenia, blah, blah, scrolling on their phone. Oh, uh, Azerbaijan has, you know, bombed the crap out of Armenia. Um, cat! <laughs> you know, um, but that's the way it is, you know. But once you do follow a war, it inevitably that war becomes very interesting and this one is really interesting and when you follow a war uh, happening in one place you're really following all wars at once uh, either you know, in the sense that you know there are similarities between this war and all other wars or uh, you know this or in 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 as much as this one's different this one's similar to most wars, especially on the propaganda front. The propaganda in this war is blatant, insane, you know, on all sides. Uh, just absolutely insane. You know, last night was a key moment, actually, because the Ethiopian gov government has claimed uh, victory um, invading Mikel or Mikella. However, however they say it, you know. Uh, so, if, if you're going to take the word of the Ethiopian government, um, then you would accept that um, the Ethiopian government has taken the capital city of Tigray, which is the place they're invading. Um, it, it is a little bit odd, uh, this wall. Um, it's, it's, you know, I've mentioned it before in previous episodes, but it's akin to... Washington, uh, you know, the National U.S. Army, uh, invading Texas. It's not quite the same as, you know, it's, it's closer to that than Canberra here in Australia invading Victoria, where I live, you know. Um, the way that works, I think, is uh, oh, oh, the, st the states and territories in Australia well, we are more at one with our national government uh, than the states within America are at one with their government. And there's historical reasons for that. So, in Australia, we are... We are one. <laughs> we are many. <laughs> That's one of our songs. That's a nice song, actually. It should be our national anthem. Um, my mum thinks Waltzing Matilda should be our national anthem, but anything but the one we've got, you know. I, I, I also wouldn't mind, I still call Australia, 
Anyway, um, we are one. Look, we are much more at one with our government you know, as individual states and territories in Australia than the Americans are at one with their government. Hence their Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. That's why, that's why the Americans um, don't want gun control because they don't trust their own government to not come and invade them. You know, the individual states, and that goes back to the, you know, the birth of America. You know, uh, you know, when militia, you know, each state had its own militia and all that sort of thing, and then the place was unionized later, you know. Um, and, you know, they civil wars, the whole bit in America. Now, in Ethiopia, imagine that on steroids. <laughs> you know, it becomes ethnically based. The same thing in Ethiopia. Uh, except ethnically based, so each of the states very much doesn't trust. They're very much, they're much more independent than even the American states. See, the American states have got a lot of power um, and um, state identity. Now, if you're a Texan, to a certain extent, you're a Texan before you're an American. And um, but in Australia, uh, we Victorians, for example, we're Australians. I don't say I'm a Victorian. I say I'm an Australian if someone asks me. Um, so I'm, a, I'm an Australian first, and I just happen to come from Victoria. I could easily shift up to Queensland. You can go right round Australia, just put the indigenous, um, put indigenous Australia out of the, this equation you know, for the moment, and you can, it's no disrespect, I actually am into indigenous rights in a very big way. I think they should have, um, oh, they should, uh, Australia should be ethnically based um, federation too you know, with um, all the indigenous mobs this is my personal thing you know it would end up rack and ruin but you know philosophically I like the idea of all the mobs of um, the indigenous mobs of Australia being all the different you know ethnic states if you like and um, and we as uh, all other you know European Indian, Chinese, African, we are the other mob, you know, obviously the bigger mob, and um, you, know, you end up with, you know, how many tribes are there in Australia? 600? I don't know, I think maybe 600. Alright, so you end up with 601 tribes in Australia. Um, uh, 600 indigenous tribes and one tribe called rest of the world, you know, in cricket terms, remember that in cricket? Uh, world Series cricket, you know, you'd have Australia, the West Indies, and the rest of the world. <laughs> Things like that, you know. Maybe England, you know. But yeah, I think it was Australia, West Indies, and the rest of the, rest of the world there for a while. Anyway, you get something like that, you know. But that's never going to come into play. Um, now we're not going to be really in control of our own domain fairly soon. Right now, the shift is on, actually, as I speak. And uh, we're about to kowtow to China um, because they've just put some massive tariffs on us as punishment for um, lack of loyalty, you know? so the shift is on, you know? and, um, and I for one am quite happy to learn Chinese <laughs> at this point in time, you've got to go with the flow honestly, um, Cantonese, you know? I could learn that, uh, Ni Hao, <laughs> uh, alright, is that, is that it? <laughs> 
Anyway, so what you've got is, we've got states in Australia and, and a couple of territories. And we've got states in the United States of America. And we've got states in Ethiopia. We've actually got na nation states in Europe too, and that's kind of a federation, you know, called the EU. Um, so you've got all these, they're, but they're very different, you know. And it's really tricky to understand what's happening in Ethiopia in a sense unless until I think you think about those four examples for example um, so it would be just bizarre for uh, the uh, federal government of Australia to send um, the National Army the Australian Army in to attack Victoria just ridiculous you know, it wouldn't make sense uh, because we are at, we are much more at one, the states are much more at one with the federal government here in Australia, than um, the states are at one with the federal government, so to speak, in the United States of America, and much much more at one with our federal government and our national armed forces um, than the Ethiopians are at one with their federal government obviously you know because there's a war between one of the states of Ethiopia and the federal government of Ethiopia you know so much less at one and as to the nation states of Europe well, to what extent are they at one with the federal <laughs> government the EU in um, Europe well not at all really you know they hate each other's guts in Europe and they know it that's why they're not giving the EU an armed force of its own. <laughs> and to a certain extent, you know, to the extent that Ethiopia is a little bit like Europe in that sense, um, they probably shouldn't have allowed the federal government to have all, you know, each of the states in Ethiopia, probably a bit of a mistake, to gift or trust the uh, federal government of Ethiopia with all the weapons. They gave them all the weapons, you know. Look, there's weapons, they are, there are weapons in each state, I'm sure, but in this war, at the moment, the federal government of Ethiopia versus the state of Tigray within Ethiopia, um, it's, it's the thing that has struck me most, really. Uh, the fact that it's, it's so unfair, yeah, because the Tigray state, just like all the other states, they paid. They paid for those that national armed force, you know, and now the federal government of Ethiopia is using it against them. And there was something funny that happened in an interview I heard last night from some general or something, you know, serving under the prime minister of Ethiopia, Abiy Ahmed. Um, remind me where I said that. Yeah, it was funny. Um, it's crazily unfair, you know. It's like um. You know, Texans, for example, in America, if, um, and this is something the Texans are scared of, and most states in America are scared of, the, uh, the federal government of America one day turning on the states, or some of the states even, you know. And um, so, uh, to a certain extent, it should be a fair fight between Washington, D.C., you know, and the U.S. Army, and the U.S. Air Force, and the U.S. Space Force, and the US Navy and the Texan 
Air Force and the Texan Space Force X, <laughs> and the Texan Navy and the Texan Army and so on. You know, it should actually, it should, there should be a balance of weaponry in my, yeah. Now, um, to a certain extent, United States um, people, uh, they try and achieve that balance. They try, they try and um, establish deterrent to the national armed forces from invading the states by heavily arming themselves as local militia. In, in essence, having you know, um, assault-grade weapons in every home under everyone's bed and you know and um, to a certain extent the um, the president of the United States of America doesn't really want to invade Texas because they know that it's just the bullets are going to be flying everywhere now obviously the uh, Washington could just nuke Texas and I think that's a problem you know because Texas paid for those nukes along with all the other states you know and um, but you know there's a kind of balance of power there because um, Texas is armed, obviously just privately, you know, by citizens, but mm, they are armed, you know, like if there was, a, if a war broke out, they would quickly band together in militia and they'd lose, Texas would lose, but gee, they'd, they'd, they'd kill a few before they went down, you know, and Washington knows that and they're not going to get into that fight, probably. But it does start to remind one why the United States have a, have a Second Amendment, uh, you know, the right to bear arms and all that sort of stuff. Um, Ethiopia, the war there at the moment, serves, I think, to remind me, you know, because I'm into gun control, you see, because it, it works in Australia. We did massive gun control after a certain massacre. We had the Port Arthur Massacre, 1986 or something. Um, and, you know, we used to have fairly regular Mass, mass murders, uh, you know, there's a definition of mass murders, and then suddenly for the next 20 years we had none, none, you know, because we had an amnesty and all crushed, we crushed all the guns, essentially, and um, and it worked here in Australia, because we are at one with our federal government, and it kind of works, you know, uh, for historical reasons, we are much more um, at one with each other here in Australia, uh, Indigenous people side, but they're so such in, so in the minority, so wiped out, that that doesn't disturb the unity. It's, it's awful, but it's true. Um, but in the United States of America, much less of one. So they, this, you know, they, they can't go with, you know, like sometimes I think, oh, why can't you just be like us? You know, to the United States, you know, people arguing for uh, holding onto their guns in America, you know, it's a bit, chauvinistic of an Australian to say, ah, oh, look, it works here. Yeah. And someone and I, I, someone in the National Rifle Association or something over in America one day said, yes, but we're talking on Earth here, not on Mars. And I, I chortled at that at the time, but he, he made a good point. Uh, because, you know, I shouldn't chortle. I shouldn't mock. Um, because the United States of America is different from Australia. We are Mars in terms of our unity. There's beautiful unity of purpose on Mars. The rocks don't mind. Uh, so, 
um, that's the United States, but Ethiopia is, is the next level on. And you can imagine, you know, I'd almost think that um, Ethiopia should have had a second amendment on steroids, where uh, Tigray state, for example, and the other states were armed to the teeth, just at the, sa at the same time, and just as, they were arming the national government to the teeth. And in fact, maybe they shouldn't even give the national government such weaponry anyway. And um, they should be more like Athens and Sparta in the ancient times, where Athens and Sparta were both armed to the teeth. You know, and they used to fight against each other. That's fine. Um, but if the Persians came or any other outside force came, the two armies would come together. So you can imagine, you know, and then they would make a fairly good fighting force. Well, a very good fighting force. You know, even against insuperable odds. <laughs> Now, um, now, um, so you can almost imagine that when there is no unity, really, between the states in a country, and I think that's the case in Ethiopia, there's unity amongst the people. They all fall, you know, little Oromo girls fall in love with little Oromo boys. But as far as the elite goes, you know, the power, the power brokers the, uh, in, uh, in Ethiopia, uh, I think history is showing that they can't get their act together. So there's no great unity uh, between when, when it comes to power sharing. It's a very bad idea to try and power share. In Ethiopia, it doesn't work. The ethnic divisions and the history is... Uh, the ethnic division is too deep and the history is too brutal. You know, it's going to be hundreds of years before they can get to anything even like the United States, and they can never get to anything like here in Australia, putting the indigenous people aside. Right. Uh, not for reasons of rudeness. Uh, and, um, I'm actually into indigenous rights, um, but that's a whole other episode, and I've done many episodes about that. All right, so what I think, you know, in retrospect, you know, a little bit late for me to be advising this, you know, now that um, Tigray State, by report, you know, according to the Ethiopian federal government, has been run over by the federal government. Look, they're claiming they've taken the whole joint, you know, and that the Tigray leadership the state leadership are hiding up in the hills and you know, presumably about to uh, commence a guerrilla war against the Ethiopian government, which is going to probably try and administer Tigray state. You know, like non-Tigrayans are going to be you know, the CEOs of uh, Tigray state, you know, and the Tigrayan um, leadership are going to be they're going to be hiding in the hills until such time as they either get killed or are successful or run and hide in America now with maybe the Prime Minister Prime Minister of Tigray State you know, however you want to put it, the President of Tigray State whatever you want to call him um, you know, maybe he can go and hide in Zimbabwe you know? follow that pattern which has happened before over and over and over again in Ethiopia but the central point that's rolling around in my head at the moment about for this ep the purposes of this episode is that Ethiopia really needed some sort of Second Amendment on steroids because on one level, to me, just as an outsider who doesn't even care about Ethiopia, who doesn't even care about Tigray State, no more so than anywhere else, you know, um, I know people who do care deeply and I care 
that those people aren't upset. You know, but I don't, you know, I'm not on anyone's side in Ethiopia because I'm not Ethiopian. Uh, but um, it strikes me as a flawed operation, uh, a flawed situation where the Ethiopian armed forces were able to attack Tigray and, um, and they had all the great weaponry. Why should they have it any more than Tigray State should have it in a place that is deeply divided, like Ethiopia? This sounds mad. You know? This is like taking all the weapons of all the countries in Europe and putting them all into the centre and letting the EU administer the, uh, you know, have the army. And then, you know, Greece defaults on a loan or something and um, the EU goes and invades Greece. That's what you've got in um, um, Ethiopia, that situation. And um, I, I don't think, you know, Australia, we don't want a Second Amendment in Australia. You know, we don't, we don't want even a First Amendment. We don't want US-style freedom of speech even, really. I don't anyway. We don't even want a republic like, you know, look, I don't want a republic like America's got. I don't want anything like America's got. We're different. You know? But you can't make the United States of America take a leaf out of Australia's book. Uh, because they're not unified in the same way for historical reasons, the way we were, you know, like when all the states were established, put their pictures. Um, when all our states were, you know, a Western Australian was not fundamentally different than a Victorian or a Queenslander. South Australians were a little bit different, you know, but in a nice way. You know, they were a non-convict settlement, but it's neither here nor there. Um, I'm changing my tune a little bit and thinking, and I'm thinking, yeah, I do get why America needed a Second Amendment, and I get that by watching what just happened, what is happening still in Ethiopia. Now, you should be very frightened of your own federal government if you're a country that is deeply divided on state lines, as is Ethiopia, and as is to a lesser extent the United States of America, and is to hardly at all extent here in Australia. Um, so, yeah, I, I, get, I, I guess I, I get the Second Amendment a little bit more now by watching this war in Ethiopia. Alright, so that's that. Now, um, I did mention before that something funny was said by a spokesperson for the Ethiopian government. Um, they've claimed that uh, overnight, they've claimed that they've taken the capital city of Tigray. Alright, Michaela. Mikel. Uh, uh, my goddaughter just texted me before and said, no, they haven't. They're lying. Yeah. All right. I'm happy to accept that, but um, working with the propaganda. Okay. And um, and the propaganda was extreme. And it was almost Donald Trump style where the bloke who was speaking to the BBC this morning um, was just saying whatever he wanted to be true. And and the reporter's not even saying anything. This is so obviously propaganda, you know? Um, and uh, he was saying, our magnificent, um, our magnificent modern armed forces have prevailed against the enemy. And this is where, you know, that's, well, what a comment to make, because your magnificent armed forces that you used against the enemy was owned by the enemy. enemy. Yeah? As much as it was owned by you, 
they used, you know, they, he was proud of his armed forces, which to a very large extent, the Tigray people had put in place because they were the previous power brokers. You know, so they had built up that army and now it was being used against them. And the current general uh, was taking pride in the fact that his magnificent, his magnificent modern army did so well. You know, they've got beautiful fighter jets and bombers from Russia and all this sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> and he said, and those silly bastards haven't got this. They haven't got fancy aeroplanes from uh, Russia, fancy fighter jets and fancy bombers and wonderful tanks and all this sort of stuff. They haven't got all that stuff. Yeah. Well, no, of course they don't. Because what you've got is their stuff. <laughs> and this is... Um, and was there anything else in the news last night? Because the news is coming through daily. Now, if you start following the war, you know, it becomes something to follow in detail every day. The more you get into a war, the more it becomes interesting and relevant and matters, you know. It, it really, this war does not matter to everybody. You know, and, and I'm not going to pretend that it should. You know, otherwise you'd be worrying about every war in the world. Look, I'm sure there are military experts that follow every war in detail. But this war tells us something about every war. Yeah, but it's a little bit unique, this war, because it is very like... Um, it's kind of halfway in between um, Washington, D.C. launching an attack on Texas in the United States of America and the EU launching an attack on Greece, let's say, when Greece, you know, uh, got itself into a hole in terms of its debt to Germany, for example, you know, not too long ago. Um, so Ethiopia seems to me to be halfway between those two. The, the different states in Ethiopia don't hate each other as much as the uh, nation states in, in, Amer in Europe do, I don't think, fundamentally. Um, and, and the, the states in the United States of America don't hate each other as much as um, the states in Ethiopia hate each other, noting that in all three cases, that of course little Greek girls fall in love with little German boys. Uh, little Oromo girls fall in love with little Tigray boys. And they all do business with each other. Germans do business with Greeks. And get along quite fine normally, and you know, so on and so forth. Um, and you know, Amharans and um, Tigrayans. When you're at a party with them, you can hardly you can't tell them apart. You know, they're all getting along fine. Thank you very much. And um, and same with you know Texans and New Yorkers. <laughs> that might be that one might be a bit different. <laughs> yeah, but you know, get Queenslanders and. Western Australian is together and there's not much difference at all. You know. That's Australia. You know. So, that's that episode. Now, there was, I wonder what else that guy was saying last night. Look, it was just propaganda, wasn't it? You don't, we don't even know, as my goddaughter argues, that they have invaded Macau, the capital city of Tigray, uh, the Ethiopian government. We don't even know if that's true because there's a blackout. Communications blackout. That was the other funny thing that I heard last night. The BBC reporter, you know, 
was taking the um, Ethiopian spokesperson uh, to task, uh, and he, he made a, one of those classic you know, uh, speeches uh, that you would have got in the medieval days. You know, um, we uh, so we have um, we have prevailed against the evil enemy, and blah blah blah. Our magnificent fighters and all that sort of stuff. You know, all that sort of all that sort of talk. You know. The way the Babylonians used to talk when they had a victory, you know, remember back in the ancient times, you know. Um, so it was one of those sorts of speeches, and you don't even know if it's true. Um, we, you know, we came in like a five-headed dragon and all that sort of stuff, you know, we were the Hydra and blah, 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 came in from three different directions. We got the Eritreans to help us and all that sort of stuff, whatever. He was saying all that sort of stuff, you know. And he was saying, um, and then the BBC report, and he said, we had a magnificent victory, a total and utter victory, and the leadership of Tigray is hiding in the hills, and we are completely in control. And then the BBC guy came in. They're not so bright, some of these propaganda speakers. They're just not so bright sometimes. You know, he just walked into this one. And the BBC guy said, um, so can we allow international observers in there then to have a look if everything's all fine? If you've, if you've had a complete victory, can we come in and just see for ourselves, you know, that there haven't been atrocities and all that. Sort of stuff? Can, we have, can we allow international observers in? Oh, uh, <clears throat> yeah. uh, well, you see about that. <laughs> this is what he was doing, except in a with a you know an Amharan accent. Um, well, about that, uh, we need to render the place safe. You know, before in, we don't want anyone hurt. <laughs> That's what he said. We don't want you know we don't want your intrepid reporters being hurt as they come in to inspect things. You know, and all that sort of stuff. Um, so just wait until we. Settle things down. Wait until we bury all the bodies, you know. <laughs> no, wait until we we just have to secure everything, you know. Um, you know, but total victory, but you know. And the BBC guy said, but you just said uh, you've had a total victory, so it'd be safe enough for us to come in. Oh no, no, we have to, you know, we have to make it properly safe for you to come in. Anyway, we'll get back to you on that. <laughs> now, I think the BBC reporter missed an opportunity. He said he could have said, listen. Our reporters are absolutely used to danger. <laughs> yeah. If you think it's not perfectly safe there, yeah, we're we're all grown reporters. We're grown ups. You know, we we know our reporters care about truth more than their own lives. They're happy to accept the, any risk that there is in there. So let us in. He should have said, "Hey, listen, no, no, we can take responsibility for our own um, safety." You know, um, we're happy to take the chance. We just, you know, we are actually quite noble because journalists are, they get a bad rap from people like Donald Trump, you know. Um, but journalists are amazing. Uh, I've seen them riding shotgun time after time, war after war for my whole life in tanks, you know, under fire. And there's a journalist in there taking photos, you know. Video. I've seen, you know, in Baghdad, um, total, you know, urban warfare. You know, uh, there was a journalist I saw once, and the soldier in front of him got blown to bits in front of him. I know who that was. I was, I was listening to him the other day. He was also in Colombia. Now, this um, Ethiopian government guy was saying. Oh, it's a little bit dangerous here for you to come in, BBC. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I think the BBC reporter missed an opportunity saying, hey, listen, it's not. 
you know, you're declaring total victory. Even if the bullets were still flying everywhere, we're quite happy to come in um, and get the story out. Journalists are extremely noble like that. And he missed an opportunity to say, listen, you wanting to make it perfectly safe for us. Um, no, that's not what you want to do. Because you know we're quite happy with danger. Yeah. We get killed all the time. and That's part of our job. Yeah. Um, we're truth sayers, you know. And, and journalists are, I think journalists are wonderful in the main. Yeah. I think they're fantastic. Absolutely fantastic from all the outlets, practically wonderful, just fantastic. They turn wars. The Vietnam War was cha was changed by a reporter being on the spot, taking a photo of that poor girl running away from a napalm bomb. It happens all the time. There should be journalists in Ethiopia, um, but they're keeping them out. Why are they keeping them out? Oh, for your safety. Journalists can take care of their own safety and they know how to take the risks. They can take risks with absolute informed consent. You know, you're keeping the journalists out for a different reason. Yeah, it's not for their safety. We all know it. And the journalist last night, you know, yeah, the Prime Minister of Ethiopia is not keeping the journalists out for their safety. He's got some other reason. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he's digging trenches. Yeah. That look as horrible, uh, possibly. Look, I don't know if there's been widespread death or not. Nobody knows. There's been a total communication and internet blackout. And to a certain extent, I think that is a war crime. You're blacking out a joint before you go in and invade. If you black it out, you know total communications blackout, that's a war crime, because we all know what humans do when no one's watching. It happens every time. I've seen it with my own eyes. Uh, I won't give you the example, but I've seen it. When humans know that nobody, when they're, when they're not accountable, um, even people in your own street would do things that you would never believe, or probably you would you know humans well. When I'm in a coffee shop sometimes, I look around and I say, which one of you would happily just take off, you know, slice open my guts? Uh, you know, just ordinary people in my suburb, which there'd be at least three of you. If there's, if there's 50 people in a coffee shop, I'd say there's three of you that were quite happy, uh, would be quite happy to put a machete through my guts and spill my guts out so that I could, and, and pull my heart out and show me it. You know, as I, you know, with the last few seconds of my life. There are people like that. Um, this is why um, international observers are very important. Uh, this is why we need, uh, these days, in the confessional even, in churches, glass doors, that sort of